Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Match Talk Podcast Network. Virginia Amateur Wrestling Association presents the Virginia Wrestling Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bryant. Each month, we'll talk about things related to Virginia wrestling and programs and initiatives from the Virginia Amateur Wrestling Association. This show is proudly sponsored by Cliff Keen Athletic, built for life. It is episode two of the Virginia Wrestling Roundup, brought to you by the Virginia Amateur Wrestling Association. Jason Bryant here, your host today. Going to be joined by Andrew Farah, the executive director of VAWA, Bill Swank, the state chairman, Mike Clayton from USA Wrestling, the current manager of coaches education, and the head coach at Hickory High School in Chesapeake, Virginia, Ben Summerlin. First off, we'll throw it right there at Mike Clayton. Mike, you spent some time in Virginia. Now you're out in Colorado Springs. What's it like to know you got a state association leading the pack in Virginia with this, a podcast? Well, you know what? It's awesome, and uh, I still consider Virginia a second home. And, uh, so it's great to be on the phone with some, uh, some great Virginia coaches and, uh, and getting a chance to you know, maybe share a little bit of info with them. Now, Mike, just talk about a little bit about your role at USA Wrestling and, and maybe some background. I mean, you spent time coaching at the Apprentice School. That's where you got your start down in Newport News, then on to some other college coaching positions and uh, now landing with the national governing body. What is your role at USA Wrestling and uh, what is your re- relationship with the state associations? Uh, so I'm the manager of the National Coaches Education Program for USA Wrestling, and that gives me the opportunity to learn as much as I can about every aspect of our sport from everyone at the U.S. Olympic Committee, from sports psychology, sports technology, strength and conditioning, uh, from all of our national team coaches, staff, and athletes. Uh, I just spent a, a week out in New York City uh, with the Corey Stringer Institute uh, to learn more about heat stroke, uh, at the Gefeller Institute to learn more about concussion awareness, uh, and emergency action planning. So I get to really take all of these pieces to the puzzle, and I just have to figure out how to put those all together so that we can get that information to all of our grassroots coaches around the country uh, so that our kids can have a great sport experience with wrestling. Uh, you know, we certainly don't expect every kid to win an Olympic gold medal, but we want them to have a great experience in the sport. And uh, it's really exciting to take what I've learned as a coach uh, and now in this managerial position to be able to give it to other coaches. So it, it's been a great, uh, great fun and uh, excited to continue. Now, when you say that information, a, a lot of this is there's, there's practice plans, curriculums, and there's things there at USA Wrestling that are member benefits, whether you're be, whether it's state you're from, but say if you're a coach in, in Virginia and uh, you've, you've, or you're, you're not a coach in Virginia, uh, you're just a parent in Virginia and you've got a, got a couple kids that want to wrestle and you want to go start a wrestling club. There are blueprints for how a, a novice coach, an intermediate coach, and an advanced coach can run practices. 
There really are. And uh, what we do is we have different levels in, a, in what we call our core curriculum. So I would encourage all your listeners, when you get to the mat.com, there's a tab that says coaches. Now, you certainly don't have to be a coach to click on it. Uh, it's great for coaches, athletes, and like you said, parents who are trying to help their kids learn more about the sport. So when you click on coaches, what we've done is we've created a, a core curriculum. Uh, and that core curriculum is going to give you three levels of folk style uh, development, two levels of freestyle, two levels of Greco. And you can click on any of those different curriculums. And there's an outline. And from that outline, there are specific wrestling moves. So click on any of those moves. And we have videos from world, Olympic, uh, and, and national level athletes uh, demonstrating those techniques. And there's also wrestling drills and games. There's over 100 drills and games that we have videos so coaches can keep their practice plans very fresh uh, and exciting. Uh, and then we've built a huge coaches uh, educational resource library. So we have information on how you can develop, uh, you know, long-term athlete development concepts. Uh, how do you want to, you know, do periodization and practice planning? You know, I know a lot of coaches, you know, yeah, my practice plan is whatever I think of when I get in the room. Uh, and, and that may work for a lot of coaches, but I would say that uh, all of our staff here at USA Wrestling, a lot of the top coaches around the country at all age levels, they, they really have a solid practice plan and, and they've planned it out so that they know when to cover certain areas, what kind of intensity to bring to the room. So uh, it, it's great. Um, anything from sports psychology, health and, and fitness, uh, strength and conditioning video study. Uh, there's just so many different parent tool uh, tools out there uh, that you know can really help a parent with their relationship with their kids and their relationship with their coaches. Bill, having been the the vice chairman for a long time and now the chairman, and you've seen varying degrees of what uh, the coaches education program at Colorado Springs offers to state state chairs and state organizations. What are some of the things that you've seen in them recently that have really benefited the state of Virginia and VAWA as a whole? Well, yeah, coaches' education. I, I, the program is evolving. Mike's uh, really done made a lot of changes to the program. The positive, there's a lot, a lot of new documentation and, and new information. But um, it, it's great. Whether you start with a copper, you got a lot of youth coaches and even parents doing that gives them an understanding of uh, sportsmanship and interaction with the athletes, which I think is good. Uh, the bronze program is, is excellent. Uh, I've got to teach a few of those clinics and the interaction you get with the other coaches, whether youth coaches, high school coaches, we've even had college coaches come to um, take the bronze course with us. Uh, it's, it's awesome. And I just finished up my silver certification um, last year. Silver College is awesome. A lot of great technique there. Um, and then the doing the task makes you think, like Mike talked, you know, about how you're going to structure your practices and how you're going to incorporate um, strength training in the season, out of season, all that stuff. So it gives you a lot of opportunities to develop yourself and um, your program by uh, going through the USA Coaches uh, program there, so uh, education program. I think it's awesome. Um, you know, Andrew's done it. Uh, Ben's done it. Um, we have a, a fair number of coaches in Virginia, and it's continued to grow. I think we had 28 in the fall at our clinic. We'll, we'll be doing another clinic here uh, as soon as the folk style season gets over. So uh, it's a great opportunity to interact and to learn and grow as a coach. 
All right, Andrew, is what Bill said, uh, you're seeing this from an executive director standpoint, and you've seen it in two states uh, with Virginia and Texas. And what are some things that you've noticed between your experiences in Texas and Virginia that, that you know that the coaches' education program at USA Wrestling is beneficial to, to those two states specifically? Well, I'll start with Texas. Uh, if you're going to be in a state as big as Texas and you can't leverage uh, technology, the Internet, and being able to uh, – engage or participate in a coach's uh, education clinic or class uh, online, you're going to have a hard time uh, getting the numbers that you want and really uh, reaching out to those coaches. And, uh, and that was huge for a state like Texas. You could have coaches in different time zones as far west as El Paso uh, participating uh, in an online bronze course uh, with someone like Jason Nickel running it in, uh, in the Dallas area. So um, that was huge for the state of Texas. And then, um, coming back to Virginia, which is, uh, uh, closer to wrestling country on the East coast and the Midwest. Um, it has just been awesome to see, uh, um, you know, the number of people that, that, uh, engage in our, uh, these opportunities. Uh, I mean, heck we have moms applying for national team, uh, coaching positions. And that means that they've gone through the bronze course. So it's a great resource as, as Bill pointed out. And, uh, when you know, someone's been through the bronze course, um, you know that they're they're in it for the long haul, and and uh, they put in the time and the effort to to really see what USA Wrestling wants to uh, emphasize and uh, and get across to the coaches. Now, with our two high school coaches on the call again, Bill Swink, not just the chairman of VAWA, but the head coach at Colonial Forge High School, the only head coach that school has ever known. You've you've built your program into a national power, nationally ranked uh, through various uh, internet rankings outlets and then uh, ben summerlin who for those of you that don't know uh spent time as one of my roommates during our time at old dominion university and he's was active in freestyling greco when he was an athlete at brookville high school now the head coach at hickory and and ben will pitch this to you you know having been you know looking at it age-wise you're, you're still recently out compared to some of us uh that are that are coaching in the world, and, and you always went to Fargo. You went after you graduated, and uh, you've got your freestyle club going. You got your Greco club. You've got your middle school club. Uh, you know how important is it for a club, and then have the whole system uh, built in and funnel into your high school team? It's essential. It's vital. I mean, you have to have a connection between your elementary program and get the community excited, get them involved, get them in the room. You have to have your middle school in link with your high school, so there's a good transition period for technique. What we try to implement is having a big brother system, mixing workouts, actually letting kids educate other kids. Just like Mike was speaking with earlier, how there's putting out more information. I've actually used a lot of the resources that USAW put out. Um, one of the best articles I've seen was the control what you can control. You can't imagine how well a kid can perform on the mat when not only is he controlling his technique, his position on the line, he's controlling his emotions. And it's, it's a good carrier for kids' character and how they, they represent themselves, but now representing your club, representing your technique, and they have pride in it. It's a, it's a really good thing to see this all come together with an, an idea of kids being part of the community and wanting to have the camaraderie to train as, as brothers and as a family. And it, you keep this, the small connections together, you establish and develop some structure, you, you micromanage, have some meetings together, and you keep the information out so that everyone can be involved. Um, I like the idea that there is there is no entity but the club running itself, and everyone involved in it has a portion or part of it. And that, for your high school season, is making your athletes 
that come in with developed techniques, and you can actually start looking to things like fundraising games that they need me to get to. So it's, it's a really, really good program to have with the outside influence of if you're wrestling at a young age, I get to see early structure and be around different individuals that are, are now teaching at a higher level, coaches of coaches, which is pretty amazing. And I'm getting to utilize some of those items. I can't wait for it. They jump to the digital age even more um, with how smart these uh, children are. I teach world history and I get to see them. And being able to see the kids use this technology and now look up technique. We're even trying to implement new technique with attaching GoPros to headgear. It's an amazing thing to see. So I'm, I'm fortunate to understand these new changes we have. And it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's really fun. Bill, you've been at this coaching thing a lot longer than Ben has. What are some of the things that that, that Ben talked about that you, you've been implementing? Obviously, we can go all the way back to the, the founding years of, of Colonial Forge's wrestling program with the, the few, the Friends of Eagle Wrestling, in terms of the booster club type of thing. And then you've obviously got the, your, your off-season club that – you know, your high school kids are competing in, not just from your school, but, uh, but neighboring schools. And, you know, what are some things that have worked from the club through the middle school, through the high school level for you to help build Colonial Forge into a national power? Um, yeah, uh, you know, um, the, the few, you, you mentioned them, it, it's awesome. Uh, we started that group before the high school was even been open. Uh, we knew the school was going to open. We got together in April and, and started that process. Um, having a good booster club is, is essential, especially if you want to travel and compete at a national level because it takes a lot of resources and public schools don't have those resources. So, you know, it's vital to get parents involved. And, uh, and then as you grow and get older, like we have, uh, they keep coming back and they stay involved in the organization. Uh, you know, the alumni parents, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. So, you know, as soon as you get that going, it's a big benefit to your program. Um, you know, as far as the uh, – I, I think it's – on the freestyle record, I think something that everyone should do. Um, a lot of people still are afraid of it. Um, they don't understand it. Um, we feel it's a, a – you're training the same skills, and they're transferable to um, – Folk style skills transferable to freestyle Greco and freestyle Greco skills transfer back to folk style. And uh, for us, we found we've done it several ways throughout the years where um, pretty much now we focus freestyle Greco April, May, June, and July. Um, We don't do much folk style at all during that time frame. We feel it refreshes our kids. It's like a whole different sport for them going to freestyle Greco. And then, they get hungry to get back into the folk style there in September um, by doing that. And it's been real positive for our club. Um, we, we do invite kids from all over to come in and train with us. Uh, last spring, we had some awesome training sessions with kids from 9, 10, 11 different schools. I think one night we had like uh, 11 kids that had won state titles in, in different classes and levels uh, in the room at one time. So, that's huge. Uh, I think trying to get the younger guys exposed. We, we don't get a lot of elementary kids in our freestyle Greco club. We get a few. We, we get we get the middle school kids. They come in. I'd like to get them even a little younger. Um, that's important uh, to the development of your program. Um, you know, and you got to know what kids can do what, what they can't do, uh, who who can push, who who you can't push. 
those are all things you learn through coaches' education and from doing it. Um, how much they can tolerate uh, as far as training goes. Sometimes you have to back off on them. Uh, sometimes you got to give them more. Um, but you know, the, the I think the goal in the off season is to keep them keep them on the mat and keep them progressing. Um, we're going to do a clinic hopefully on February 28th, uh, transitioning uh, from folk style to freestyle Greco. Um, not sure of the location, but I'm pretty sure we're going to have Keith Gavin come and, and do that clinic for the kids. Um, so we think it's important. I think it's an important part of our pro- program and our development. Um, running out of ideas there, Jason. Well, there's there's never a shortage of ideas with the folks that we've got on the call. <laughs> now we're going to switch over to Andrew again, drawing off your experience in both. Uh, well, not both, more than more than just two, because both implies two. That's that's my seven years of, of college education coming through. But uh, <laughs> Andrew, you're 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 coaching at a, at a private boarding school, a private day school, public high school, uh, and you've been involved with different national team staffs, and then you've got the club dynamic where you've got the name club like uh, the Dallas Dynamite down there in Texas, which is, uh, you know, as you termed it, a kind of an expensive club. And then you've worked with the, the, the free club up there at Gunston. So, you know, there's different dynamics that, that are served by coaching. And what are some of those dynamics that, that vary from program to program and club to club where the root of the situation is still the same? Sure. Well, Coach Swing talked about understanding your athletes and who you can push and, and, and who you can't. And, and that's just uh, part of uh, getting to know kids and developing relationships and, and the best uh, coaches and programs out there, uh, regardless of what state they're in, uh, get to know their kids, both on and off the mat. And when you develop uh, strong relationships with your kids, you're going to see uh, results both uh, um, as athletes and, and in their personal lives as well. And uh, I think the, uh, um, the, the, the common theme that I've seen, uh, in different parts of the country and, and in different models, um, is, is, uh, that the successful programs and coaches create a culture, uh, that kids, parents, uh, both in their school, on their club team, and, and then from other teams want to come and be a part of, you know, Bill mentioned, uh, the fact that they had kids from, uh, over 10, 11 high schools competing uh, or, or training at Ford Raptor. Um, you know, Roy Hill's club, uh, I mean, I remember coaching there in 2010, 2011, when there were kids from easily 15 high schools coming to train with Roy. And, and that's because they wanted to be around someone like Roy Hill and, uh, and what he represents. Uh, I'd say the same for, for, uh, for Coach Swink. Um, you know, Mike Kendall down in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, I had the opportunity to coach with him. Mike was a, uh, a Fargo champ in, in Oklahoma, and, and he ran uh, or in North Carolina, but he's from Oklahoma. But Mike ran the Cardiac Kids Wrestling Club that produced uh, Vincent Ramirez, George and Frank Hickman, and uh, uh, a host, uh, Jermaine Hodge, who's still uh, on the Greco ladder. And, and these were kids that traveled all over the, the state of North Carolina to come and train with Mike um, on the weekends, and, and that's just because – he created a, uh, a culture and, and a vibe that everybody uh, just wanted to be a part of. So, um, you know, so many young coaches come in and cut their teeth and think it's got to be about the technique, the technique, the technique, and pushing kids to the max. But, you know, really, if you create a, uh, a culture that's fun and positive and, and, and incorporate some good wrestling uh, technique and strategy, uh, 
I think you're going to see results as a coach, regardless of where you're coaching or, or what type of school uh, you're coaching at. So uh, all about the culture. Now we'll circle this back to Mike Clayton again uh, with his roles, various roles in, in head coaching positions, assistant coaching positions in collegiate wrestling. Uh, you know, one of our topics last episode was about, uh, we touched on it a little bit, was the six-class system, seven when you count the private schools. So uh, six public schools, one private schools. And and one of the one of the negative impacts of that is people thinking that the competition, at least within the state, might be somewhat watered down in terms of talking about state champions. But you as a college coach, you, you had 50 states, well, excuse me, 49 states, times everything but New Jersey, Indiana, and California with multiple classes. So as a college coach, how did you identify talent that uh, that would be right for your program? I mean, obviously you've got the Division I uh, experience and you've got the the Division Three experience, but, you know, it's not always about a state championship or multiple state championships, you know, because there are multiple state champions everywhere. What things from a, a coach mindset do you look at when you're recruiting wrestlers that say they're going to be a good college wrestler regardless of level? Sure. Well, I think Andrew hit it on the head. We're trying to build a culture and every coach creates their own unique culture. So for me, you know, certainly, you know, you wanted to get the kids who had the accolades, but I looked for things that fit the culture of whatever program that I was in, you know, and at the apprentice school, you know, we needed kids that were able to get up early in the morning, work a full 40 hour week plus and, and take college classes and still get in the wrestling room, you know, sometimes twice a day. So that was certainly one type of a culture. And then, you know, moving to the military academy at West Point, you needed people who were willing to sacrifice not only, you know, their four years of, you know, fun-loving type college environment, um, and, and then they're going to serve their country afterwards. And they have to have wrestling credentials, and, and they have to have that drive. So many times you see the, the kids that, you know, were really good at that young age, and maybe they had a lot of natural talent, um, and and sometimes you'll see a coach that lets that kid get away with a little bit too much in the room or sometimes a lot too much. Um, and, you know, the kid didn't fit the culture of the room, but the coach lets him get away with it because he's a good kid. And that doesn't really pay off because what happens is when the kid transitions into a college room where he has to be intrinsically motivated and he has to be disciplined uh, and everybody out there has a solid technique base and they're all strong and athletic what's going to set him apart is whether he's able to pick up that work ethic at the next level. So for me, it was, it was finding that. And certainly when I could find a coach and, and coach Swink was one of them, uh, you know, when I could find a coach that, that produced quality young men with great work ethics, those were the kids that I went after. And, and it was up to me to help, you know, help them make that transition from high school to college. So, um, yeah, Andrew hit it, that, that culture, finding the kids who matched the culture of the program. A lot of kids will call now, you know, hey, could you help me find a college? And I'm like, you got to tell me about yourself. What are you looking for? What do you want? Do you want a really academic environment? Do you want a, uh, a party environment? You know, do you want a solid, hardcore wrestling environment? Or do you want the experience? Um, so it, it's all about culture on both sides of that coin. And some of that you had touched on this. I, w- I wanted to bring this up, but you had already already done that. So uh, thank you much, Mike, for reading my mind. It's it's like we share the same brain sometimes, I guess. But, I uh, would imagine. But, you know, you, you talked about, you know, recruiting kids from programs that are well coached. And it may not always be the state champion, but I think in, in Bill's case, Bill sent uh, a number of wrestlers to college on varying levels at, at Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI, and whatnot. And, 
you know, and sometimes what, what do you say to the kid that may be not in a program like, like Bill has at Colonial Forge that, you know, needs to put that off season in to train with a club that might not be with his high school. You know, what do you tell that kid and maybe that club coach to say, Hey, you know, just because I'm not at a power program doesn't mean I can't have the opportunity to wrestle in college. Sure. I came from that program. I came from a very small town in Iowa. Uh, we were lucky to have a comma in our population. Uh, and you know, when wrestling season was over, that was it. Uh, you know, so what happened is you know, my parents had not gone to college, had not been athletes, uh, but they knew that we needed more. And so what we did is we sought more. And, you know, for me, it started off with Mike Land, uh, who was a two-time national champ at Iowa State. And, and we started going to his gym and we started doing some extra training outside of the high school environment. And then those kids were like, hey, we're going to, Far you know, Fargo was Cedar Falls, Iowa back then. That's how old I am. Um, and, and so, you know, you started to get around the kids and the parents and the coaches who, who kind of understood that because maybe they had a coach, uh, you know, like Ben and Bill who, who have been able to, you know, expose them to these other opportunities. So once we were able to get around those folks, uh, you know, things were able to take off. So if there's a kid out there and, and he doesn't necessarily have that year-round opportunity, you know, find the resources. You know, with the Internet today, it's so easy to be able to find videos study a video and, and drill it on your, you know, little brother or your sister or your dad or something. Uh, but, you know, if you really have a goal, find the resources and work towards it. And if you get to the point where you're looking to wrestle in college, find out what you want out of college and reach out to those coaches. Let them know of your interests. Go to their camps. Um, you know, get yourself in front of them. You know, promote what, what you want to have happen. I'm going to swing this back around to uh, Ben Summerlin, again, the coach at Hickory. He was a two-time state runner-up at Brookville High School in Lynchburg, which at the time was a double-A school. So I had uh, seen Ben quite a bit at the double-A and single-A state tournament out in Salem before we were even roommates, and, and Ben was one of the first people that made himself uh, known on the old Matt Talk message boards back in the day, and I believe he still uses that handle, Greco Bob, in, in some of his uh, – some of his correspondence, but Ben, when you were coming out of high school and, you know, not, not a state champion, but you had been on the circuit with freestyling Greco, how much more do you think that made you attractive to college coaches? Uh, you'd started out at Longwood, uh, then a division two school. They, they dropped the program. You transferred to old dominion, but would the opportunity to at least look at Longwood have, how hard would that have been if, if you weren't at least seasoned in all three styles of wrestling? Well, I was very fortunate. I um, actually was under the tutelage of uh, Don Schuler, uh, with the golf to Mark Schultz. So I, I had freestyle embedded in, in my blood from day one. Um, it was actually my favorite sport in, in comparison to uh, the folk style because you could throw everyone to get a lot of points for it, and it's a cool environment. There's a lot of uh, a, a lot of consistency between both sports and where you can actually perform well. But do things that could get you in danger. Actually, dangerous rewards and cheese with it. You can be in danger and actually score well and, and enjoy what you're doing, but not have the stresses of the regular season. The season is intense. But freestyle had a little more lax environment. Um, you met new athletes as you went through it, and it allowed me to meet coaches and be a part of new technique, things that you can transition into your into your uh, folkstyle season. Um, overall, it's it's definitely the most transitional thing you can have. It's going to teach you better hips. It's going to teach you better position for throws, which is one of my favorite things. And it's also going to allow you to, to be in a, a spot where you can really perform well. Um, it makes you a really diverse athlete overall. 
and you get to be able to showcase. And that's the biggest thing when you're looking towards college, looking towards development. If you got a kid that may not have the grades, may not have the opportunity, this is a showcase event. The event out in Fargo, you're going to see multiple college coaches on the floor walking around. And like Mike said, they're looking for an athlete that's going to have um, different diversity to their development. So they could, could now see an athlete that they might not have seen before in a, in a larger program, uh, like those where they're very successful. They might see uh, an athlete that's in a, a younger program like myself that maybe has great grades, great character, great personality. He just hasn't been to any large events until now. And if you get that opportunity to go to the education program or the different clinics, you get to go to these, these different windows, you're going to get the opportunity to make your, make your way. And I, I've been able to see a lot of kids recently actually go to this free song record program and start to hit these major events. And the common, common competition is becoming amazing because of that. Well, just to chime in on what Ben said about going to the showcase events, uh, for a kid that has aspirations to wrestle in college these days, um, if, if they are not at those showcase events, if they're not competing in Fargo or, or multiple regional events, uh, a college coach is going to ask them where they were and, and why they, why they weren't there, uh, in this day and age. Um, but, uh, Ben's exactly right. The, uh, uh watching kids, um, blossom and, and, and grow as athletes, uh, whether they have success or not at, uh, national events is, is, is a lot of fun and, uh, as a coach. Oh, I, I totally agree. That, and one of the best parts about that is you get to send your kids to events or be a part of those events, and you have these college coaches that are working with them. You have athletes that get the experience with these higher-level athletes that other kids won't get. I was a kid from a low-level town. Um, I was fortunate in the environment I was in, but Fargo opened my eyes to a whole new world of different training, different athletes. It's actually what brought me over to Old Dominion. It tied me in with a whole new coaching network and a whole new environment where you can gain technique. You can be on a podcast. You can, uh, you can actually branch out. And that's the big thing that helped me with my transition to the club. You can now branch out to your community the same way. It's, that's, a, that's one of the biggest things that you can do with this. As we shift gears to the high school season, the postseason is coming up upon us and, and with the calendars changing over the years it's it's made it a little difficult, I guess, to, to work on training cycles when they, they look at things the way they are. Obviously, uh, the state tournaments used to be at the end of February, beginning of March. Now they're a little earlier than they used to. And we'll start with you, Bill, because, uh, you know, your, your team's right there challenging for a state championship. And, uh, you know, as you know, you've got now many of them, uh, actually the first Northwest region team to uh, win a state title in AAA. I believe that was several years ago. At Robinson, Bill, Mike, it was uh, what was that? Oh seven. It was oh seven. Yes, Jason, yeah, you're, you're correct. Yeah. So uh, you know, obviously, with the with the classes changing, uh, and, and the the districts and the the conferences reshuffling. I mean, there wasn't even really a conference when when uh, I guess Ben and I were coming through, and you know, Andrew was wrestling in the private schools, and they had their own things. I guess Andrew, you guys have pretty much uh, stayed the same, right, with uh, the TCIS and the other private school leagues. Yes, yes, we've stayed the same. You know, the, the Virginia private school uh, state tournament has about 32 teams competing. Um, so we just feel the 32-man bracket uh, that usually isn't full, but pretty close to full. And uh, and the top four from Virginia qualify for the national prep tournament. So uh, that has stayed the same since 2000 school, the late 90s, early 2000s. 
So now as we go to the postseason again, Bill, uh, how does how does a team like yours that's kind of expected to win almost every time out there and uh, there, there are challenges that come with that. I mean, when, when you guys become the bad guy in terms of whenever a kid from Colonial Forge loses, it, it, you know, everybody else cheers. I mean, it was like, you know, Great Bridge in their heyday. It was, uh, you know, it was the entire gym against Great Bridge. I mean, as a coach, do you ha- how do you embrace that role or how do you, you know, make sure that the kids kind of stay focused and not get caught up in, in maybe some of the banter that goes on with the, with the parents and, and back in our day, the message boards? Yeah, uh, it's definitely something, you know, we have to coach the kids on. Uh, we got to coach ourselves on it as coaches. Um, you know, I remember those days when Great Bridge and, and we're kind of in the same boat, us and Robinson. And, you know, when your kids lose, everyone's happy. They're cheering. And, you know, you just got to coach your kids that that's uh, natural. And, you know, we try to focus on one match at a time. Um, Win or lose, that match is over. You're on to your next match. So we try to keep those kids in that that frame of mind. Um, same thing with their goals. You know, if you if you can't reach your goal, something happens in the tournament. You know, you want to make the finals. You want to be the champion. And you get a little hiccup along the way. You got to put that right behind you and folk reassess it and reset your goal to the next best thing you can. It's kind of the same thing. Um, we kind of play on it as well. Uh, you know, that everyone's against you and, and you can use that as a motivator. Um, it'll motivate the kids. If, if you teach them the right way about it, not, you know, we don't get angry about it. We use it as motivation to um, show that, Hey, we're here because we work hard and uh, you know, we deserve to win as much as anybody else. And we're not going to let that distract us from uh, the job that we're trying to do on any particular day or weekend that we might go out. Um, but it's always, this is the funnest time of the year for me. I always look forward to the last, you know, the conference and regional and state weeks. Um, you know, training's a little different and you got to prep for different things. Uh, you know, the conference tournament. Um, sometimes we don't wrestle well there. You talked about uh, you're the uh, top dog and sometimes our kids think they're too much of a top dog going into a week like that. And we got to bring them back down there so that we can compete at the same level because we need to compete at the regional tournament and we need to compete at the state tournament. Um, it is kind of interesting this year. The privates and all six uh, publics will be on the same weekend, the 20th and 21st of February. So there'll be a lot uh, going on there. Um, I see a lot of good team races uh, coming down the road. Uh, I don't know, but you got time. I wouldn't mind talking a little bit about that. Yeah, let's roll with it. That's what we're here for. And okay. I want to say this real quick uh, before we get off topic, because uh, when I was getting into wrestling and I was, you know, announcing matches at, at Pocosin when I was in high school, and it, it, it we were doing, a, I was announcing a regional, or I think it might have been a sectional tournament at our place. And uh, you know, when when one of my teammates, a uh, kid to live actually three three doors down from me, Jason Forrest, he got got pinned in the in the semifinals, and the gym went nuts, and it was at our place. And I'm sitting there thinking, why are they cheering against us? I didn't get it. <laughs> and then you know, a year, actually a year later, then I realized, oh, <laughs> the only time anybody rooted for Pocosin when I was in high school, in the, uh, you know, in, in that era in the late '90s, was at the state tournament because. 
that meant we were probably wrestling a guy from Grundy. Grundy. <laughs> so yeah. the only time we actually had fan support outside of our own fans was at the state tournament wrestling a guy from Grundy. Right. And, and again, replaced Grundy with Christiansburg at, at that level in double A. It, it was just strange. So I, I definitely remember that. But Bill, fire away with uh, your thoughts on, you know, all the team races we got. We'll, we'll hit Ben and, and uh, Andrew up with, with their thoughts in their respective divisions too. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you a rundown of them all. Um, as you know, Jason, you and I both started many years ago trying to make rankings for uh, the state to draw interest. Uh, and, and, you know, we still do that. Wawa has their state rankings on the website. You know, 6A, uh, Colonial Forge, we got Battlefield, we got Robinson. I think we can, Oscar Smith will make some noise. Uh, Grassfield, Osborne Park, I, th- I think it's wide open uh, tournament this year. 5A. Um, it will be going on right beside us in 6A, and I, I, I see a great uh, team race there as well. I, it's, I don't know. I got five teams that I think have legitimate shots with uh, Ben's Hickory team being one and Matoka, uh, defending champs, Great Bridge, Mountain View, down the street from us and Kellum all look strong there. Um, 4A. Got returning champs Hanover, and I think Falk here has a really good team. I think they'll be in their Eastern view. We'll probably be pushing those guys as well. Um, 3A, Jason, I think the Coastal's in, in the hunt for a trophy there. Christiansburg, probably the favorites. Uh, New Kent, Brentsville, a couple of the other top 4A teams. 2A, I'm looking at probably Grundy and Strasburg as, as the two favorites there. Uh, 1A, probably what I know the least about, um, Rural Retreat and Perry McClure are some of the top two teams that people have been telling me. I think uh, Andrew can talk a little more too, but Privates, look at uh, three, looks like three teams in the hunt there with Benedictine and Liberty Christian and St. Christopher's all uh, pushing each other. So should be exciting postseason. Like I said, it's always my favorite, uh, not just with our division, I like to watch them all, and, and a good team race uh, brings some great excitement to the state championship. So I hope we have them at all seven. All right, Andrew, you want to touch on the uh, the the private schools there? As as Bill covered the publics, he did touch on the private schools, but uh, that's 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 your wheelhouse, buddy. Sure. Well, uh, Bill hit the nail on the head. There's a three horse race between uh, LCA, Benedictine, and St. Chris, and and uh, most people would say that they come in that order right now with LCA uh, probably being the favorite um, at this point in the season. Uh, Benedictine had a, uh, a strong win over uh, St. Chris in a duel recently. Um, but, uh, you know, Paul Anthony at Liberty Christian uh, does a great job, and um, yeah, he's a member of the Virginia Wrestling Hall of Fame, and, and they're led by uh, Judah Bruce at 170 and uh, have some other strong uh, upper weights, Mason Walk at 220, and uh, they just do a, a great job there. Um, but uh, uh, St. Christopher's will duel um, in Lynchburg. Uh, with they'll, they'll see LCA on Tuesday, um, but uh, might also see them this weekend as St. Christopher's is hosting the uh, Visa Prep Duels with uh, Benedictine, uh, Woodbury Forest, LCA, uh, Covenant, Bishop O'Connell, um, and a few other schools uh, who escaped me right now, but a three-horse race. And uh, one of the neat things about the postseason uh, for the Virginia private schools is uh, you know, everybody's at each other's throat trying to win a, a, a team title and individual titles 
uh, at the state tournament, but then we head up to Lehigh, where the top four at each weight qualify for the national prep tournament, and uh, everybody uh, cheers for one another for uh, for the most part because uh, we want to keep our qualifiers up, and, and it's always good to see Virginia boys do well uh, against the the Blair Academies and, and Wyoming Seminaries and and whatnot. So uh, we're excited about the state tournament coming in the private school world, and, and hope that we can. Uh, rack up a, a good number of national prep All-Americans in Lehigh that last weekend in February. Now we'll circle back to Ben here. As, as Bill mentioned, your team in 5A. I mean, when you went into the season, I mean, do, do you see your team as, as a potential state championship uh, caliber program? Obviously, you've got a great dual meet record. You had a big championship victory at the uh, the tournament, uh, the Capital Challenge. Actually, what is that tournament called? Is it still the Capital Classic, uh, Ben? Yeah, it's still the uh, Powerade Coca-Cola Classic. Coca-Cola Classic. Okay. Okay. So the same tournament. It's just got some uh, got some endorsement behind it now. But uh, you know, before we talk about your team, actually, you know, what was it like for you to go back to your home gym and and come away victorious? You know, I've gone home uh, with my wife Shannon back a few times every Christmas. We go back and see the hometown. We're there for a short stint. We're out. But this time, I I was really fortunate to go back and see. uh, See it in a different different light. I haven't got to compete against uh, Coach Schuler or some of the local teams, and it was really great to look across the mat and see guys that coach, like Travis Marshall from Rustburg, and, and see guys in, in that area still keeping up with the wrestling that I left left as a winner across the way. And it, it's it was great to uh, see their competition too. Um, Don Schuler still has an awesome program. His kids at a young age are very tough. They're really uh, really really pushing the, the envelope with some of my kids that are, are trying to push it too. Uh, with, with upcoming events, it's going to be uh, every man for himself. We're just trying to, to get it together. Now, there's there's probably still a, a big uh, void there on that wall at Hickory. You're still looking for a state champion. You got guys in your team you think that are, that are going to be on the top of that podium come uh, mid-February? You know, we've uh, we've never had a state champion in Hickory, and that's uh, I don't mind saying that. Um, we had an athlete that passed away this summer that I felt was as close as you're ever going to come to that, uh, that idea. And maybe even I still call two on that one. So I think it's, it's a new, uh, new competition, not only between our programs in the area, but now it's competition for our kids. Who's going to be the first one to, to make the claim to pain? And we'll see how it works out with the, the lower weights getting first. All right, Mike, we'll, we'll, we'll close with you. I mean, let's talk a little bit uh, about your, your time in Virginia as we close. And, you know, obviously you said you'd gotten your, your coaching career started at the apprentice school. You did some coaching with the PWA and, and, and got to know, uh, you know, Ben and I pretty well over the years. And, you know, it's interesting to go back and, you know, we share stories about times that we had, whether they be um, out and about or whether they be on your wrestling mat. So, uh, Mike, you know, just talk a little bit about some of your memories of the state of Virginia and the people that uh, that you met back then that are still your friends today. Well, it really is where I got my start in, in, in coaching. And, you know, I just remember, you know, just like I said, you know, if, if you want something, go out and find it. And um, I wanted to be coaching while I was in the Navy there. And so I, I went into uh, Cox High School's coach's office and a guy named Joe Boone. And, uh, I said, hey, I'd, I'd like to help you out. And I'm sure his first thing through his mind was, oh, great, some other guy that just wants to come in the room and, and help out that doesn't know anything. And uh, I didn't tell him too much. And he said, well, we've got a club over in Pocosin. You know, why don't you ride over with me on Tuesdays and Thursdays? And, you know, we'll you know, you get your start there. And I think he just wanted to scope it out. And 
Um, and, and that was really the start of it. So, you know, Joe Boone really gave me the beginnings to my coaching career. And then Jeff Tatum, who's working at PWA, was an assistant at the apprentice school and uh, asked if I'd come over and help, you know, those guys. And then Jamie Devaney stepped down and, and that's when I started, you know, getting the opportunity to coach. And I, I really had no inkling of ever coaching and had no idea what coaching was about. I, you know, I, like most coaches, I thought, oh, you just show some wrestling moves and you wrestle with the guys. That's what coaching is. And, you know, here I am from, from you know, years later. I think there was some static on the, the line there. I couldn't get the years right. Um, but uh, that was that was really a big difference for me. I realize now that so much of coaching has so little to do with what you teach the guys technically. Uh, it's an important part for sure, but it's it, it's so much more. And, and it's great that at this time in my life and the position that I'm at, I have the opportunity to help other coaches who are open you know, like everyone on your call is, and, and hopefully everyone out there listening too, they're just open to to learning, and and that never stops. I was talking with Rob Herman at the Dave Schultz tournament tonight, and Rob was my freestyle coach on the All Navy team, and uh, and I said, Rob, I was like, you know, it, it impresses me that you know he's still learning, and he's like, Mike, every day, every day I have to learn something new as a coach, and you know, Rob's been an Olympic coach, and. And, and extremely successful. So it's humbling that, you know, the elite coaches out there always say there's more to learn and I need more. So uh, I'm excited to have an opportunity to work with great coaches like you have on your panel tonight and, and hopefully just be able to provide them some resources whenever they need it. So if there's anybody out there and, and they've got some questions, they need some guidance, uh, you know, go to the mat.com, uh, find my email, mclayton at usawrestling.org and let me know how I can help you out. Thanks, Mike, and uh, that'll wrap us up. This has been Episode 2 of the Virginia Wrestling Roundup, a VAWA podcast, information about clubs, schedules, events, rankings, news, glorious message boards available at virginiawrestling.com. So for Andrew Farah, Ben Summerlin, Bill Swink, and Mike Clayton, this is Jason Bryan. We'll see you next time. Head over to matttalkonline.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.